In New Jersey, we found some key Welcome to this week's episode of Jersey Matters. We're your hosts. I'm Mike Perino. And I'm Casey McLean. This week, we're going to give you a coronavirus update, as always. Then we'll take you to Murphy's Corner. We'll talk about some of the stuff that he's been doing lately. Then we have big update about the primaries that occurred last week. After we talk about that, we're going to talk about uh, a Vernon Township council member resigned. Um, then what should we replace the term freeholder with? We'll give you some ideas. Uh, we'll update you on the DMV's new procedures. And we'll talk about crowded beaches and what else might be crowding the beaches this summer. <laughs> uh, after the headlines, I'm going to be talking about movies that take place in New Jersey and ones that I think do a decent job or at least an interesting job of portraying New Jersey. And Casey's going to give us a quiz. Uh, who said it, Biden, Christie, or Trump? So I'm really looking forward to that. All right, let's get into it. It's a tough, it's a tough quiz. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So today we're, is July 14th and Bastille Day, I think, right? Woohoo! Cool. Are you are you a celebrator of Bastille Day? <laughs> uh, I just like I like the idea of it, but I'm American, so I don't celebrate it. Yeah, wasn't um I think the Eastern State Penitentiary does an event celebrating Bastille Day. They do, they do. It's cool. For those who yeah. don't know, Bastille Day is the day that in the lead up to the French Revolution, uh, there was a political prison there called La Bastille. And uh, protesters were furious at the things that were going on, so they stormed it and released the prisoners. And uh, it basically launched the French Revolution and that whole history, which we don't need to go into on a New Jersey <laughs> podcast. But it's actually a great tradition, and it's cool. So as of Bastille Day, we have 100, over 177,000 cases in New Jersey. Uh, but the, numbers are, the daily numbers are still going down, which is great. Still, we're hovering around 15,560 deaths. The, the numbers for the past few days, uh, I'm not going to give you exact numbers, but they've been hovering around 200 to, there was one day was a spike to, and on July 11th to 300. But the, the general trend, if you look at the graph, is that it's heading downward, which is great. It means that uh, we can really start to open up. But as, as we'll talk about later, you can see that we're doing it in a pretty controlled manner with trying to avoid some of the rush to touristy sites that uh, other states have uh uh, just like not tried to avoid it all, Florida. So I think it's overall I'm pretty optimistic in the short term about how New Jersey's handling this this moment. Uh, really can't rush reopening as much as I want to just go back to work and all that stuff. What do you think, Casey? I it's tough because we say it every week. We don't have hard borders in our country, so we might be doing a downward trend. But is that you know, federal funding being cut for testing, people social distancing and not wanting to get tested, or people who have tested in the beginning of quarantine that tested negative that don't want to get tested. You know, it's yeah. the the test conundrum that we're in. And then also you have people who are, it's summer, you want a vacation. So people might travel outside of the state, New Jersey is outside, and then people traveling from outside, inside, you know, it's a mess. And until our state governments start working together better or our federal government gets their, you know, stuff together, no matter how positively downward our, you know, positive tests are in New Jersey, that number could be skewed in any number of different ways. And That's until true. we have a full force of 
eradicating this pandemic from our country in, you know, in common sense, you know, uh, legislation and orders and it's not going to be good. Period. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, to bridge the gap into Murphy's corner, I think it's good to mention that uh, Murphy mentioned that he wants to borrow uh, billions of dollars to help avert uh, public worker layoffs. Because um, part of the reason uh, that we're opening sooner than normal and a lot of places we're facing layoffs, a lot of unions negotiated uh, furloughs to avoid layoffs. And uh, it's because the state budget is is destroyed. And I, I see it on like Facebook and stuff like that where people are like basically blaming Murphy for the economic state of, of course, uh, it's his of, fault. of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's like obviously way more complicated than that. Uh, it's not like people, a lot of people have this like idea that usually from the, the right executive. that Murphy <laughs> wants to purposely crash the uh, economy of New Jersey to seize power, but there's never been in the history of the entire world a politician who's purposely destroyed their own economic foundation to seize power. Like it just doesn't happen. For the Until obvious Murphy reason is that joined us. Yeah, Until Murphy <laughs> found a new way, uh, and the tyranny that he's doing is that he mandated that we have to wear masks outside. And ever since then, freedom has died in New Jersey. But he is looking to borrow $10 billion to help make up for the massive losses. Of course, top Republican leaders want to are filing lawsuits to prevent the move because they say it's clearly unconstitutional for New Jersey to borrow money. So uh, I don't know where any of that's going to head. Um, yeah. but At least he's asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be nice for the state to get a bailout, but whatever. You know, we'll see. Whatever. Maybe, maybe well, with more with more red states getting you know high infection rates, then there's probably going to be a bailout for everyone. I hope be, so. They didn't just want the blue state bailout. If it's like a every state situation, maybe we're going to be. I mean, I don't wish the numbers of the pandemic that we've experienced or that New York's experienced on any other state. But if that's what it takes for people to really open their eyes, uh, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, they had months to prepare. It's crazy. Did you see the numbers come out? But it of was Florida? a hoax. It was yeah. a, a left wing hoax, Mike. They had like, over what do you expect people to? New cases in one day that beats both New Jersey and New York's uh, daily uh, cases um, at the height. So, wow, America's number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is serious. Uh, I, I really yeah. do hope that. Like you said, we get that kind of regional coordination. Maybe now that it's in the South, some of the Republicans will be more willing to have more bailouts. I heard that we are going to get a second like stimulus. There's talks of that. It's just confusing because the details of it are kind of still up in the air. But we'll report on that when, it, when we get to it. Yeah. So how about Murphy's Corner? Has he Murphy's done... Corner. Yes, uh, he's been doing some things. Um, is the just... flag half staff again? No, no updates on the flag level, the height. Uh, so far, so good. Flags are still in good standing in New Jersey. There's been three executive orders since we last recorded. So, sure. <laughs> executive order 163, Murphy signed on the 8th of this month. It says that Governor Murphy signs executive order requiring individuals to wear masks in outdoor public spaces when they cannot social distance. No surprise there. Uh, I honestly thought that was already a rule. <laughs> Apparently not. I've been doing uh, it like anyway since like February. <laughs> I just thought that was a rule. So yeah, 
I um, was recently at an event and I had my mask on my hand because it was in my car and I was away from everyone. And as I approached, I was wearing sunglasses. So in my mind, I was covered. Like I didn't, <laughs> there was something on my face, but I didn't register like, oh, my mask isn't on my face. Oh, and yeah. I saw everyone around me was wearing a mask. I'm like, oh, whoops. Like for a minute, I forgot where I was. <laughs> I, um, I have a real life story of how I learned about, well, this story. I, I went to go pick up Chinese food. And I'm waiting for them to call my number and another customer uh, starts talking to me because, of course, we can't just sit in silence. Yeah. And <laughs> she says she says to me, like, did you hear about uh, the, the the new ridiculous thing Murphy's going to do? And I just was like, oh, no, I don't oh, want to no. hear how this is going to go. And I was just like, oh, what? And I guess she thought that I couldn't hear her. So she took her mask off while we're waiting because, of course, <laughs> that was what it was. Not just that she randomly started talking to me while I was like, thinking or reading on the phone i forget what i was doing yeah and then uh she tells me that murphy you know is gonna is she's like, is it true murphy's gonna require uh, masks outside because i think that's ridiculous and then i was just oh, like man. oh okay then i called my number fortunately and i was like all right great and i just like walked up and got my food and as i was heading out they asked her what her number was and she said that they didn't give her a number uh and she just like clearly started like bullshitting and i just kept thinking like why are you know she's conservative. I was like, why are conservatives like this so much? Like, like you clearly just forgot <laughs> your uh your order number. Like everyone else had one. Like why didn't you just admit that you didn't remember? And then like the I same thing. Like, no. And this ties into like the, the 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 Murphy thing. It's like you're literally freaking out over nothing. Like yeah. well, you have to just wear a mask to stop yourself and others from getting sick. Like this isn't that much of a burden. Yeah, and it's like specifically so... if you cannot social distance, which means you cannot stay six feet apart, then you wear a mask outside. That's it. If you're in close proximity to anyone else, you wear a mask. It's That's, really it's, not that hard. It's not like he wants you when you're running track or like mowing the I'm... lawn or... <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm honestly over... I mean, maybe I haven't done this before. It might not seem like it, but like I'm over babying these people because yeah. it's like absolutely ridiculous how serious it is in this country and there's still people who like don't like it so i saw a poll recently that said something like do i still have the screenshot uh yeah here it is so it's from 538 and they had a poll on july 10th uh the, the results showed that it basically asked like how serious do you take the coronavirus situation and 31 percent of americans say it's very serious uh 34.7 say somewhat and then, you know, the rest are, like, not uh, at all or not very serious. So we'll just count those two as, as one. So, like, over 60% of Americans think this is, like, a serious thing. So it's, like, we are in the majority. But yeah, 40% but is a 40%. lot. That's a lot of people. It's not, like, that's not like 2% or, or 3%. It's 40% of the country think this isn't a real thing that's happening yeah, right at this almost, moment. Almost half. Yeah, almost half. So wow. it's I'm just tired of babying that half. Because they're ruining uh, all of our lives. So Yeah. And anyway. we're constantly having to social distance even more and more and more. Well, well that's uh, Executive Order 163. So Executive Order 164 signed in on the 13th of this month. Governor Murphy announces the postponement of annual municipal and county party committee reorganization meetings. So that's one that I don't really know what exactly that means. It just seems like he's allowing these, like smaller i don't know committees party committees so like republican and uh democrats to postpone their i guess their physical in-person meetings that's purely speculation but that's probably what it is that's yeah. why i imagine 
also it's kind of like why would you even have them in person anyway at this point just do a zoom or a skype meeting yeah so no. and there's no there's no press release that breaks down what exactly that means at this point uh this was yesterday as we're recording on the 14th so I assume there'll be more information breaking this down when people start to care more about this. <laughs> right. If people do at all. And then we have Executive Order 165, same the same day, so on the 13th of this month. Governor Murphy signs Executive Order lifting 50% capacity limits on NJ Transit and private carrier vehicles. So this one is uh, questionable. <laughs> I get that they're, you know, lifting the 50% capacity limit, but is that safe? Does that make sense? Who knows? <laughs> it's concerning. So, yeah. I mean, that's it from Murphy's Corner. <laughs> that's good. Do you feel like the news cycle is starting to, like, also get coronavirus fatigue? It's coronavirus fatigue, but then also for local New Jersey news, I know in particular... There's been a few organizations that have shifted to national news focus and with the election coming up and with Trump saying things all the time, uh, I just, they I focus on that. I think it's too early. I think it's too early to really talk about the national. Not that you can't, you can like speculate, but yeah. there's, it's still too early and, and the things, things are too volatile to just talk about like with any certainty what's going to happen in November. Yeah. Um, and the the news alerts yeah. I'm getting is mostly uh, coronavirus related, or I don't even know. Just, yeah, but even with the, even with the coronavirus news, it's like kind of fatigue. Like, there's a lot. I think part of the news fatigue with coronavirus is that like all the good takes have already been done, and it's just gotten like worse. And you can only say so many of the same thing over and over again. So a lot of the latest coronavirus stuff uh, reporting, like on a national scale, is all just um, stuff like really easy clickbaity articles, like. Trump should resign because he's bad at handling the coronavirus. It's like, well, yeah, but realistically, he's not going to resign. So, like, wh why even write an article yeah. like that? Like, like, it's just pointless. Or, like, you know, Dr. Fauci's right. Trump is wrong. And you're like, yeah, of course the doctor is right and Trump's wrong on this. Like, It's just, like, such yeah. lazy takes that don't, like, Journalism. dig into anything. So it's, like, not worth mentioning. And then, on the as you said, like, at a lower level, they've just kind of, like, stopped talking about it. But, yeah, yeah. also... I guess because the situation's gotten better in New Jersey, so like local news is just looking elsewhere. I don't know. Let's talk about the primary, the primary update. A lot of yeah. the results aren't in, and I'm not going to do a breakdown of all of it because uh, it's like largely predictable. Um, <laughs> uh, but there are a couple interesting things about the primaries. So there's some reports that the turnout is higher uh, now, which kind of makes sense because they. Uh, within the previous elections because they like mailed a ballot to everybody and i imagine with the ease with which the people uh received the ballot will, will help you know uh get people to uh, uh vote compared to having to like go in person yeah but we don't know like for instance i don't know if cory booker won versus larry ham things like that I i'm looking for that because that's one i was interested in Okay, I just saw one from Seven Day. Booker defeats Ham from the Jersey Globe. Doesn't really say by how much, but honestly, this was not surprising. I, I, I mentioned, I think, in the first, like, literally the first episode, I think, when I talked about him, that his chances of winning were really contingent on how Bernie Sanders was doing nationally. Uh, yeah. If Bernie Sanders was still out there uh, winning stuff, 
and I think Larry Ham would have had a better chance of beating Booker. But with the way things are right now, this was really an incumbent's game to uh, to lose because they just had uh, so many advantages um, yeah. just in terms of like the party itself. Recognition and everything, really. Yeah, yeah. I think the one interesting thing to take from this, from besides the fact that it seems that the numbers are better, like in terms of people participating in the mail-in ballot, is that uh, will this replicate in November? It's possible that this will this increased turnout will replicate in November for two reasons. One is I think we're going to have more mail-in ballots being encouraged because we're still going to have coronavirus in November. The other thing is there's going to be some big things on going on uh, in November. I mean, people are going to be motivated to vote against Donald Trump, uh, not necessarily for Biden. Uh, even though it's predictable that Jer- uh, Jersey will go for Biden, people are still going to want to go out there and cast that vote, whereas I think Republicans are going to have less of a reason for two reasons, uh, especially in New Jersey. They, they kind of already know it's a hopeless endeavor to try to get Jersey <laughs> to switch. But the other reason is that Trump has been discouraging mail-in ballots, which actually backfires because then they're not going to vote using the mail-in, yeah. ballot, which means they might not vote at all. So I think that'll turn that down. The other thing for increased turnout is, is of course, the big issue that's coming up in November for New Jersey, which is legalized marijuana, which is on the bill, yes. uh, the ballot. So I think a lot of people are going to want to vote for that. I know I, I have uh, friends who've like, don't vote, don't give a shit, and they know that's coming. They're like, want to make sure that they're all uh, up to date so they can vote, and uh, that's good. So, uh, don't really have much more primary updates, mainly because of the, the delay it takes to count all these ballots. I want to see how many are thrown out. In, yeah, because that's one of the things we were all worried about. Oh I'll, boy, there is one thing that was uh, uh, I forgot to mention. So. There was a pretty good article in the press of AtlanticCity.com where they talked about lessons from New Jersey's first mostly vote by mail primary. And they said that there's like a lot of work still to do because a lot of statewide voter registration systems weren't ready to handle the amount of ballots being processed. Some of the, uh, like their internal systems at the different clerk's offices were crashing. Basically, it's kind of like everything else in New Jersey when it comes to <laughs> the government. Fortunately, I hate to say this sounds like a right winger, but uh, like it's just outdated technological systems, like just like the unemployment thing, which causes problems that they never fix. And then suddenly, when something predictable happens, they're like, uh, "Oh wow, like we weren't ready for this." And so, so to give an example, I talk about the Atlantic City mayoral race. The Mayor Marty Small Sr. was significantly ahead of his closest competitor, Pamela Thomas Fields, with about 60% of the vote to her and 30%. However, at that time, just under 10,000 of the 45,000 ballots uh, in the county were that were received were, uh, were, were counted at the time. Really? So, yeah. So there's a lot, I hate when they do that, where they like only count like 20%, and, they, and then they go like... Because they, they, they do it during the pri- like all the primaries, where they're like, oh, yeah, look. This person's winning. We could tell with one percent of the votes of uh, votes in. You're like, how do you, how, how could you possibly know? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on right now, um, which is kind of a mess. Yeah. So that's, 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 a, that's a, yeah. when you call it so early too, then you demotivate people from voting in the first place. Yeah, I hate when they call it beforehand too. That's like super annoying uh, when there's like no good reason to believe that. Yeah. So, that's how that's how we got Trump as a president too. <laughs> Oh, uh, definitely. A couple other factors, but yeah, it was a big one. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much it on the primary. Not really much specifics, just uh, looks like turn, turnout's up. 
Looks like a yeah, lot we'll of know more later. One, and we'll basically know more later. And there's a couple things we want to look out for. Uh, just to recap, the uh, uh, how many ballots were not counted and uh, how many incumbents uh, remained. So I'm going to try to keep track of that and look at it in the future. So uh, do you want to talk about the what happened in Vernon Township? Why did a uh, council yes. first sign? So there's some mystery in New Jersey. Uh, so this is an article from the NewJerseyHerald.com. So resignation opens spot on Vernon Council, and they now have an issue of trying to replace that spot or to hold an election or just wait until, keep it open until the next election. So Vernon Township residents have until Monday, which was this past Monday, to submit a request for appointment to the Township Council until the November election after a council member resigned late last month. So... Mark Van Tassel, who was in the middle of a four-year term on the council that began in 2018, submitted his resignation to township clerk Marcy Guess Gian on June 25th. And Van Tassel didn't provide a reason for leaving the council, the uh, town clerk Marcy, Marcy said. And then... Uh, he didn't re return a message seeking comment by deadline on Thursday. So by law, the Township Council has 30 days from the date of Van Tassel's resignation to name a replacement who will serve until the November 3rd general election. On election day, Vernon residents will vote for one candidate, which could be the interim council member or anyone else who files a petition to fill the remainder of the term, which ends on December 30th, 2021. So they're saying that, you know, you submit your full legal name, your address, and a resume is optional. So who knew it could be that easy to become a council person <laughs> in Vernon. <For> real. Real. <laughs> and uh, if no one is, um, they're saying that basically they're going to have a council meeting to include a resolution to nominate someone to be an interim council member. And uh, during the meeting, anyone who, um, anyone on the council who will have the opportunity to name a candidate and make a motion to fill the seat. And if no one is nominated within a 30 day period, the seat will remain open until the election. And so the former council person, Van Tassel, he had no prior experience in local government, was elected to the council in November, 2017, along with current council members, Jean Murphy and John Alberger. And the trio emerged from a crowd of a seven-person field over two incumbent candidate seats and two former Vernon and two other former Vernon mayor. So I guess maybe Van Tassel was in it for the hype and then just dropped out. Like he's not saying exactly, he didn't specify any kind of reason. So a little bit of mystery, like maybe, you know, in the crowded seven-person field, and he wanted to make a name for himself. I don't know. There's a little bit of mystery over this Van Tassel. Um, that's really But weird. that's local government for you. <laughs> it's really strange. Yeah, like, uh, I've always thought about running for, like, town council, because why not? And this is exactly what I expected. It's like a bunch of people just throwing their name into the ring and then some people bowing out because it's, it's very mundane. I think a lot of yeah. people, that's why a lot of people don't run. Um, and there's not much literature on it. And if you go to any of your town websites, I was like, it's very mundane. You're just going to meetings. Too. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> in my town, there 
usually i i think it was the same last election too they say like pick three off the list right to vote for and there's only ever two people running so there's literally just an empty seat every time that literally anyone could probably run for and just vote for themselves and get in because just by default yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah i thought about it but um you're, you're right it's just like mundane i don't no one knows how to like really do it yeah the the website hasn't been updated since like early 2000s it's stuff like that exactly yeah it's kind of embarrassing I'll... for a first world country in 2020 just how bad some of the state government websites are <sighs> what can you do it's new jersey and like i, I assume other states are just as bad and guilty oh of it, totally but... There are there are places in Pennsylvania that, for instance, okay. So if you do court stuff in New Jersey, a lot of the stuff can be filed online, which makes sense because it's 2020, right? You should be able to submit forms online. There are places in Pennsylvania, not to rag on that state, but it's our neighbor. <laughs> they uh, uh, that you literally cannot file online to the court. You have to like physically, physically. go there or mail stuff, which is just baffling to me because it's like it's 2020, filing paperwork online. Why wouldn't you be able to do it? But yeah, I don't know. So not the worst. What a nightmare. Moving on, I want to speaking of local government. So this is an article from NorthJersey.com. So New Jersey must replace freeholder term rooted in structural racism. Governor Murphy says. So this is an article from Dustin Racco Poppy. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so New Jersey, long considered one of the most progressive states in the nation, will likely shed its national distinction of keeping a colonial vestige rooted in structural racism, the title of county freeholder. So Governor Murphy and the two Democratic leaders of the state legislature announced on Thursday they support legislation to do away with the, quote, outdated term in favor of county commissioner, which is more commonly used around the country. So state and local lawmakers have tried in fits and starts for years to make the change, but the announcement appears to have been driven by the energized national movement toward racial and social justice following the death of George Floyd, a black man who died after a police, a white police officer knelt on his neck in Minneapolis. So in a joint statement, Murphy, Senate President Stephen Sweeney, and Assembly Speaker Craig Coughlin said... Quote, as our nation tears down symbols of injustice, we must also tear down words we use in New Jersey that were born from racism. It's past time for New Jersey to phase out the term freeholder from our public discourse, a term coined when only white male landowners could hold public office. And we've talked about that in a previous episode when we've, I think it was uh, the first female governor of New Jersey she originally was, I think, a Somerset County freeholder. I think that was one of her, or maybe it was Board of Ed, and then she became a freeholder. But that's typically on the like the line of, uh, I guess, hierarchy in New Jersey politics is it's like Board of Ed, then you become <laughs> a council person or you become a freeholder, and then you run for a state senate or state assembly person, and then you maybe sit there forever or maybe you go up to like the federal level of the senate or the assembly or you get kicked maybe... out for like some corruption scandal <laughs> or maybe you resign quietly anonymously without a reason like uh the vernon guy yeah. uh, <laughs> but so to what change... term do you think should replace freeholder i mean i agree with the uh what do they say the county commissioner uh 
but I like you could really I mean it's New Jersey and it's I don't even know how many freeholders we have but I don't even know what they really do like that's yeah, also like the thing it's like how do you title something that you don't like that's not very specific on what they do like I see freeholder signs I see freeholders posing in photos for various <laughs> public display kind of activities like at schools, uh, I see them standing by bridges that they've commissioned. Uh, that's really it. So I don't know <laughs> what's in a name, Mike, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't think, to be consistent, I think this is kind of, it's kind of a kind of like annoying that we focus so much on, on like terminology. Like how many people know that Freeholder has roots in rate besides like you have to be like super turned in like tuned into this stuff to like know that kind of thing but i'm also not opposed to it because i think freeholder is a dumb term uh yeah it doesn't like mean anything to like most people they just know it's like vaguely a politician but they don't know what like what the hell they do so it's like changing <laughs> it to like council person or or like i don't know like county adjudicate or something like anything like yeah. literally, literally anything is probably better than 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 freeholder, freeholder. But yeah, again, like, yeah, like I, anytime it's, I hear systemic racist roots, I'm just kind of like, my, I'm not gonna lie, my eyes kind of glaze over a little bit because it's like, this is it, it's, it's like the political ver it's the political version of like gushers saying saying stuff yeah. like it's not <laughs> guys it's not that important changing the name yeah. of stuff like like okay cool so instead of freeholders uh, possibly being the ones coming up with like racist redlining policies, you'll have council people. Yeah. So, like, and, what changed? What, what changed? Again, yeah. what changed? Like, the systemic, like, liberals like to take the word systemic and just apply it to things that, like, actually don't have a systemic nature. But, so, like, they appear more radical than they are when they're like, we had tech systemic racism by changing the name of freeholder, which is representative of a systemic system. It's like, okay, cool. It's representative of something, but, like, that doesn't mean it is the thing. Like, a movie is a yeah. representation of like literally a life it's 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 a, it's a symbol there's still images but they like appear to move <laughs> but it isn't actual real motion yeah it's not actually seeing people it's kind of saying we're attacking yeah. phantoms again but again like i'm not super attached to freeholder yeah. freeholder is a stupid term <laughs> sucks councilwoman or man <gasps> yeah well we will see I mean, it's not official. It's the same thing with uh, real estate agents changing the term of master bedroom and master bath because it has connotations of slavery. It doesn't have connotations. You know, it's it's just, I get what we're doing, but I want us to make housing affordable and the master, to the, the master, give home loans to... The term to... master bedroom <laughs> uh, its usage in the U.S. Just because, like, something is, like, slavery adjacent or whatever like like people wore shirts when we had slaves are, are, are is the history of wearing shirts filled with slavery like it's just it, it, it it's it's getting a little ridiculous in terms of like the amount of things that we're choosing to claim to address as opposed to the the like root cause of like all this stuff like the irony is that we're not taking yeah. we're not addressing like you're saying we're not like like housing, like cool. It's not a master bedroom. It's just now the primary bedroom or whatever. Like, yeah. Okay. Can anyone afford to live there? Yeah. And <laughs> like, are the real estate agents having racial racial bias and who they show that property to? Yes. Is exactly. There... Yes. Yeah. 
And if they were to allow, not allow, but if if they were to have someone of color live in that residence, are they going to be stopped by police in that neighborhood? Are they going to be accused of robbing, you know, houses if they go for a jog in that neighborhood? All these other things that aren't on the real estate listing are a bigger issue (laughs) that we should work towards. These are like the things that like middle class, usually white people care a lot about because they because it just feels so important and relevant to their lives for some reason. And then they like go on these like little crusades where like they think that they're doing something like they think that they're helping, but like there's nothing happening. Like, yeah. Like, okay, cool. The real estate, the practices of gentrification are still occurring like that. (laughs) (laughs) So like, that's, that's a problem, but yeah. yeah. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, it's, to, to, to be fair, I don't want to just trash on it. Like certain things should change, but like people's like be... hearts are in the right place. That's yeah. good too. Should it be that much merit given to Murphy and these count, like the, the heads of the, the assembly and the Senate should all his credit be bestowed upon them simply because they're making a joint statement saying that freeholders shouldn't be a term anymore no like good Um, move on like that should that shouldn't be highlighted in any way it should just be like okay moving on um what else have they done like what else are they doing changing the redskins name (laughs) yeah right like all my life i I, I used to have a teacher in high school who'd be like can you imagine if they did the called like any other sports team like terrible things like racial slurs right like redskins is a terrible name it's like yeah i totally agree and then, but it's like, do you want me to applaud that you're changing it? It's the bare minimum yeah. you can do. You had an <laughs> awful name. <laughs> for a very long time. It was easy for a long time that you made and a you, bunch of And you off. rejected any kind of move to change that name for a very long time. And now you're doing it. It's overdue. Moving on. Like <laughs> exactly that's my exact attitude. Exact, I feel the same way freeholder. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. It's changed. Like now it's Start changing the real stuff. The yeah. stuff that like actually like show that you uh, are on our side. Uh, super yeah. funny in a, in a kind of a sense. <laughs> I like oh, how they call us one of the most progressive states, but we don't have legal marijuana, and we have a huge incarceration problem with, uh, especially in New Jersey, with with black people being identification and where it's underfunded like, education. That's kind of like what do labels mean, right? Where they say like, oh, New Jersey is one of the most progressive states. It's like, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Like, sure, maybe in terms of like a lot of people's sentiments are on the more progressive end but in terms of like everyone who controls stuff like we certain the, the progressives have like no say here or like not in power yeah. at all uh it depends, if you consider Mur- murphy a progressive you might be able to say that but he's been stunted by you can go back and watch the episodes with colin yeah uh, he explains it but yeah interesting uh all right so Talking about the DMV, I think we mentioned last week that there were like fights that broke out. The yeah. DMV. So I have like a follow up to that sort of, um, and there's like long lines. There was like five hour waits, all this kind of crazy stuff. So the, the New Jersey Motor Vehicle decided to adopt uh, new procedures to try to cut down on the crowds. So this is by uh, CBS Philly. They stated that uh, New Jersey Motor Vehicle Commission centers are now going to be giving out a set number of tickets to customers each day and those who do not get tickets will be required to leave and come back another day uh they're going to give preferences to people trying to get driver's license for the first time and that's pretty much all that there is because they're trying to figure out how to 
do it. So maybe that'll help cut down on stuff. I still feel like that's that kind of sucks. Yeah, like how many tickets are they giving out for the yeah. day? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just very strange because you know people go there at in the morning. Because like, are you gonna give tickets like a deli? You know, throughout the whole day, is someone just gonna wait in line until you know, like Preston. they can get a ticket? It's just what is happening? What is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why they don't start moving things to like just more and more stuff online. Like, I really feel like half the reasons people go into the DMV don't need to. Yeah, you could easily, if you wanted to renew your license, they also had do it so, online. They had how many months were they shut down from March to now? They yeah, had four months to prepare for this. You know what how, I think the issue? How did this not happen? How did they not prepare? I think the issue is that they keep thinking that it's going to reopen sooner and instead of doing the expectation of like some private companies you know they've told their employees they're not going to come back at minimum november december into the office so if we started operating as a government with that expectation then (laughs) we probably would have been able to reallocate budgets and be able to make you know this thing digitized and make it accessible online and test it and get it up and running already. But instead, Governor mm. Murphy has to do every month a renewal of the <laughs> the quarantine orders. The it, other thing I, I didn't think of is I'm not sure how affected uh, Jersey Motor Vehicle is with like uh, furloughs and things like that as well. So they might maybe they have staffing issues as well on top of all of this. I don't. I don't doubt I don't it. Know. I don't know. I. I. I don't doubt it either. <laughs> like, like uh, every other place is having that issue. Why? Why would motor vehicle be exempt? Especially when they basically weren't at work for like months. Well, not that they probably were working from home. I don't know, but stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Sorry, DMV. So, <laughs> on a related note, beaches are really crowded. It's like everything we're fearing is coming true. <laughs> Uh, this is an article from NJ.com. Huge crowds at Jersey Shore beaches like, quote, playing with fire for coronavirus spread, Murphy says. And they have a lot of pictures. You can click on them. There's like 17 of them. <laughs> oh, my God. The amount of people just, like, gathered everywhere is terrible. Yeah, this isn't good. They look um, like they're all from Long Branch, all these pictures. But still, yeah, this is, like, not good. Yeah. Just people people acting like everything's fine. Everything is going back to normal. We're not in a pandemic anymore because we can go to the beach. Yep. Where is it? Where's this quote? It doesn't really say anything good. And what um, I also love about these events, so um, it's a weekend at Long Branch on, you know, Sunday, July 12th, and you're seeing it across the country, and this is the pattern we're having everywhere around the globe is when you have a major event, you don't really see the results of the infection rate until two weeks after, yes. at, at, at minimum. This is know? what drives me nuts, because... And, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, yeah, but that's the thing, is that people are saying, like, in Texas, they were noticing a huge spike starting two weeks after, I think it was Memorial Day, and then two weeks after that, there was, like, a concert or something. But these large gatherings of crowds leads to a peak happening two weeks after and if you think about like those people going to the beach 
they're, you know, they're thinking, well, I don't have to quarantine because I'm at the beach and they don't think of like, I'm not going out of state. I'm not exposing myself to anyone, for example, from one of the, like the, the bad states that are now, you know, put on a mandatory quote unquote, not enforced mandatory, but mandatory quarantine for 14 days after they've landed in New Jersey. You're not retesting and you're going to just be infecting more and more people. And people aren't going to associate, I'm going to the beach, so I need to get tested. People are not, you know, you associate that with traveling or being exposed to someone who had COVID um, knowingly. And when you at, when you go anywhere now, when I donate blood, they say, do you, have you knowingly been exposed to COVID? All I can say is no, because <laughs> I don't know if my friend went to the beach and like, how are you supposed got, to knowing like it, like unless you literally know someone who had COVID and got tested like the, most people aren't going to knowingly know yeah that they got uh, exposed. One of the things I hate is this article says state officials have said multiple times there is no evidence yet that large outdoor gatherings at the beach or protests have caused spikes in new cases. Okay, that's true in the sense that we don't know that these like from yesterday or whatever are going to cause spikes of new cases. However, we do know that, you know, it wasn't that long ago when it was spring break and we saw all the spikes yeah. of cases. It wasn't that long ago when it was Memorial Day and we saw spikes of cases or there was on the news that what was it? That pool party or whatever, the public pool people went to with like hundreds of people. Like it was like almost every person there got coronavirus. <laughs> and it's just like, why? What would make New Jersey different? And I feel like no one ever says that. Like, oh, we have no evidence yet. OK, but what makes this different from that when like in principle they're basically the same like yes it's yeah. more dangerous indoors obviously and it's less dangerous outdoors but out being less dangerous doesn't mean it's harmless or like not dangerous like driving five miles over the speed limit is less dangerous than driving like 30 over the speed limit but it doesn't mean that they're not like non-dangerous things yeah speaking of dangerous things and new jersey beaches yes <laughs> They have if, a new you guest. Got, if you weren't if you weren't afraid of covid at the beach well you should be afraid of the great white sharks <laughs> that are appearing oh in our waters yeah uh, you know they're doing their part i think as sharks to scare people from the beaches because obviously a global pandemic isn't working so i am pro sharks right now <laughs> did you read the uh people.com article on this no. I'm going to read you this because this, this is some funny stuff. So they say uh, there's like a shark tracker database, I guess. And they, they talk about how... <laughs> here we go. Let me just read it. According to OSEARCH, O-C-E-A-R-C-H's online shark tracker database, which also names the large animals, a few sharks have pinged in their system at locations near the Hamptons and the Jersey Shore. Caroline, a 12-foot-9 white... Uh, shark popped up on July 9th around Seaside Heights and Barnegat Light, New Jersey. At least two other sharks lurked in the waters off the Hamptons in early June, according to the New York Post, including a 533-pound shark named Cabot and an eight-footer called Caper. Another named Vimy, who weighs in at 1,164 pounds, was charting a path towards Long Island. Why are they naming the sharks? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. It's super funny. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, you're... you're yeah, so watch out for Cabot, and especially, well, especially Vimy or Vimy, the thousand-pound shark. Uh, these are some hefty chonkers off the coast of uh, yeah. New Jersey. Ready? Like, all it takes is you to just get bit 
not be able to swim or the trauma oh my god can you imagine if you go to the beach uh contract coronavirus without knowing it get bit by a shark you go to a hospital and you find out you have, <laughs> you have to get your leg amputated and you have coronavirus like oh man uh, just don't go to the beach guys in new york fun. already new york closed their beaches i think we reported that on a previous episode so no one yeah. should be on the new york beaches and the sharks should guarantee that but if you I'm, are a New Jersey beachgoer, know you that think, you're probably going to get COVID and you're probably going to be eaten by a shark. Just... I think the sharks are, are, are pro-life. Like, they're here to <laughs> keep people off the beach to stop getting coronavirus. Yeah, we got... That's why they're here. We got COVID. We've got uh, numbers of the bubonic plague coming back up. Yeah. And now we have shark-infested waters off the coast of New Jersey. You know, I'd, rather ha- I'd rather literally have the bubonic plague than... <laughs> no was, you no yeah the bubonic bubonic, plague. it's easy you just take some antibiotics and you're good but if you don't if you don't know it you can die within 24 hours of contracting it yeah that's true that's it's true. much that, more deadly that, it's much more deadly <laughs> but i'm saying like it's so easy to to fix because of modern medicine yeah uh, but you're right yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming i would know that i have the plague but yeah but that's the thing that's the dangerous game we're playing right now of you know I can, do i feel achy do I still have my sense of taste? Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I have corona. But with bubonic plague, it's like, and if you don't have any kind of awareness of what those symptoms are, like I don't know the symptoms of bubonic plague. Yeah, why would you uh, think you have the plague too? Yeah, Unless and if, there, you go to some places that uh, have like a sign, like I think I forget where it is. It's like somewhere in the Midwest where there's like literally signs where it's like, watch out for the squirrels. Like they have like the plague. Yeah. Like, we need what? one of those. Um, we need one of those flowcharts where it's uh, bubonic plague symptoms and corona. Because yeah. even if I think I have coronavirus, I'm gonna wait a couple days to really see where it goes. But bubonic plague, you don't have a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, but that's it for the headlines of New Jersey news. Uh, Mike, do you want to tell me about New Jersey-based movies? Yeah, so uh, you inspired me last week when you talked about the New Jersey Housewives. Uh, I started thinking about different depictions of New Jersey and media, and then, of course, Jersey Shore popped to mind. And then I was trying to think of, like, oh, what what other, like, movies or TV shows are there? And, of course, there's, like, The Sopranos. So I tried to find, uh, like, five of, of movies I have watched. So it's, it's, a, it's a strange category. It's movies that I've watched so I can actually talk about them, which I don't watch a lot of movies. Uh <laughs> But it's also uh, uh, lists, I think, that do a pretty decent job of depicting New Jersey. Uh, because, like, I, I, like the, the, we mentioned it before, like, the Jersey Shore doesn't actually depict New Jersey. Like, it takes place no. in New Jersey, but it's a bunch of people from, like, Staten Not Island. Not New Jersey. And it's just kind of, like, a caricature of, like, North Jersey, like, Italians who, like, don't really represent, like, a lot of New Jersey. And then, of course, The Sopranos is just, like, takes place in a lot of it in New Jersey and like that doesn't actually represent like real life in New Jersey. I mean, part of it, like, yeah, like, like <laughs> the mob is a real aspect of, of Jersey, uh, especially in its earlier, like, you know, decades ago. Yeah. But I, I didn't think that's like necessarily a good representation of New Jersey. So I found a few and I'm just going to go through them. Uh, believe it or not, War of the Worlds, I think does a good job, which is kind of a strange one because it's a sci-fi film. <laughs> so I'm talking about the one from 2005, a Spielberg film that, starred tom cruise and dakota fanning 
And it's based off of the novel, the radio broadcast of H.G. Wells, which I'm not going to go into the plot, uh, books. I don't really want to spoil it, but also because you already did that. Um, yeah, and the broadcast. It, the, the, if you haven't watched the movie, it largely follows the broadcast and the novel. And I think it does a pretty good job of just showing like the kind of like chaos of like a real alien invasion because like yeah that's where it happens it starts in new jersey and also i think it's a, i think it's a pretty good film even though uh, no yeah, offense but a fan her character's kind of Spielberg. yeah her <laughs> character's kind of annoying and just screams the whole time but i mean if aliens were invading i'd probably scream too so yeah i understand that the next one is uh, a little more serious like a beautiful mind it's a film from 2001 it's a biographical drama starring russell crowe where he plays as John Nash, who's a famous mathematician, uh, who also was a schizophrenic. Uh, the film takes place in Princeton, where Nash attended a school uh, and eventually became the professor at Princeton University. Uh, Nash was, as I said, like a mathematical genius who made like fundamental contributions to game theory and other advanced mathematical uh, theories and stuff. And he received the Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences in 1994, as well as being awarded the Abel Ebel Prize in 2015. <laughs> Uh, John Nash is like the only person to be awarded both of these prizes. Yeah, he has an interesting history where he like also code breaked for I don't know if it was the CIA or like the predicate cursor of the CIA. I, I can't remember. He he like helped out with that stuff too. And I think that the film does a good job because uh, obviously it's filmed in Princeton and takes a that does uh, kind of accurately shows all the nice sights of Princeton, but it also does a good job of uh, tying in John Nash's life while trying to. Uh, explain these advanced mathematical theories in ways that like people like me who don't who like barely remember algebra can understand so i think that's i, I thought that was kind of good and uh i i like it because the representation of new jersey is kind of neutral right it's like where the story takes place but it's not necessarily a commentary on new jersey or it's not like new jersey depicted in like um yeah like a, 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 it's it really when I went through I went through a list of like fifty or hundred movies that are all filmed in New Jersey, and a lot of them are filmed in New Jersey, but like New Jersey doesn't have like any major role at all, or it's like they'll film it in like Newark, but say like the streets like in New York or something like that. It's strange, but yeah, with Beautiful Mind, I thought it's nice because because it, because it does take place in New Jersey. It just shows an event that happened in New Jersey. Someone who's famous from New Jersey, who's contributed a lot, but it doesn't really necessarily detract. Like like it's just I think it's like act. It's just accurate. Like it. Like yeah. things happen <laughs> in New Jersey. It's kind of like <laughs> it's a setting. It's a setting, which is good. Which I mean, that's pretty basic. But uh, believe it or not, like but, a lot of stuff about New Jersey is just filmed in like these like terrible ways. Yeah, um, New Jersey is often not only just from the Jersey Shore series, mm -hmm. but like New Jersey is often like a, like you said before, it's like a caricature, and yes. it's violent or it's dark or it's the. Uh, the power plants or, or yeah. the like that's exclusively and it. like <laughs> all those things kind of exist in New Jersey, but all of them are like not represented well, mostly. And you can tell a lot of the times it's by people who've never been in the state or like have only stayed here briefly or writing about it. Whereas like, I feel like a beautiful mind does a good job because they're focused on John Nash and they just kind of like understand that Princeton is like this place where these things happen yeah. not just a place but yeah for instance yeah because you get it you get it also with um other movies like midnight in paris so Par like paris is a very significant mm -hmm. city and it's always represented represented in like this romantic beautiful like 
love story to the city. Same thing with New York. It's always like something yes. bigger. Like it's New York is often in the back. The background is like another character to any movie. Yes. And New Jersey is always just like the smelly, like <laughs> yes, yes, smelly, like violent, uh, angry, like maybe drunk uncle of exactly. a character. <laughs> exactly. That's well well said. So the third movie is, I don't know if you've seen this one. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but Being John Malkovich, a 1999 film. No, I haven't. I've been, it's a, on my this list. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's really weird. I'm going to try not to spoil anything for like all these movies. Uh, but so this is like a 1999 comedy film that stars John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and then of course, John Malkovich, who plays himself. And John Cusack plays as a, he's kind of like an unemployed puppeteer who discovers a portal that leads into John Malkovich's mind and allows him to see and like kind of experience what John Malkovich is seeing and experiencing. But after a while, he's ejected from John Malkovich's mind and lands on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. And then after that, he tells his coworkers and friend, and they begin to like sell this experience of living vicariously through John Malkovich. And people are constantly like doing it. And then a bunch of stuff happens. It's like hard to, it's really hard to talk about without spoiling it. And it's such a strange movie. But the reason why I think it's good because being John Malkovich is kind of like a surrealist film with like a complicated, absurd, yet like humorous plot that kind of just talks about reality. And one interpretation of, of like what the film means states, uh, this is from The Guardian, that uh, the, the writer, the screenwriter was Cal, his name was Charles Kaufman. And it says, uh, still, it was only natural to cite Kaufman for the inspired absurdity of his premise, which treats the very specific consciousness of an esteemed character actor, meaning uh, John Malkovich, as the site for a grown-up Allison in Wonderland, a place where people can escape their sad, desperate lives for 15 minutes before getting thrown out on a, onto a ditch by the New Jersey Turnpike. So it's it, it's what's funny is because it's like basically being ejected from John Malkovich's mind and landing on the dirty New Jersey Turnpike serves as like a star, very stark yet humorous reminder about the difference between like a uh, kind of like fantastical escapism from, uh, and then like the like harsh return to like a bleak reality. I actually like the use of New Jersey Turnpike in that because <laughs> it, in a sense, like New Jersey Turnpike serves as a reminder of like how dark and ugly <laughs> like life can be sometimes. <laughs> uh, because it's like New Jersey Turnpike is not a pretty place to drive. It's uh, no. especially like if you start out in South Jersey and go up, it just gets uglier and uglier as you start going. Like, like literally, you'll, you'll see trees go. Like, you know you've hit North yeah. Jersey when all the trees look dead and it just looks like an industrial wasteland. Not the not yeah. the shit on North Jersey. It usually has some pretty, like, amazing sites <laughs> and stuff like that. But the areas that the the pike goes through, it's just awful. And yeah. um, I just like that. Because, like, as you said, it kind of... As you said before, like a lot of times, uh, New York is like a character. And, and this, like the New Jersey Turnpike, is like kind of like the background character of like representing re- representing like bleakness and reality. And I just thought that's like kind of cool. Like that is how a lot of people do. New Jersey has like a self hating uh, humor to it amongst yeah. a lot of people. And I thought they did a good job of doing that. The movie's really absurd. It's worth watching. Um, so I don't know if you've seen this one. It's my fourth one. Clerks. I, I think I've seen it in passing, but it's been a long time. Yeah, this is an old movie. It's from the, from 1990, and Clerks is great. It's a indie comedy movie, and uh, fun fact about the movie: it only costs around twenty seven thousand dollars to film, and they grossed over three million in theaters. So wow. it was like hugely successful, and the film takes place in a convenience store in Leonardo in Monmouth County, 
and the main character Dante Hicks is basically called into work on his day off and then a series of like humorous yet semi-realistic events like occur and the film's pretty notable for its realism and its portrayal of characters and their problems that although these problems are like sometimes absurd they're like realistically grounded enough to be like somewhat relatable and I like it because uh, I've worked in like a convenience store well it was like a pharmacy but also had a convenience store aspect so I, I kind of like felt and understood the uh, it, I think it did a good job of like just the the humorous part of 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 and like the absurdity of working and any kind of customer service stuff but also yeah. like it looks like a real New Jersey like convenience store um, and, <laughs> and it's funny and it's filmed in New Jersey and it's, it's enjoyable I like the film and then the last one is Garden State, a 2004 film. Have you seen that? Yeah. Is that with Zach Braff? It is with Zach Braff. Yes. I liked it. Yeah. It's controversial. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, really? I, I, but... Yeah, I liked it. I thought it... So to describe it, it's a basically a rom-com written, directed, and starring Zach Braff. And the cast also includes uh, Natalie Portman, who I think is the main love interest. It's been a while. And yeah. basically the film is semi-autobiographical because it's about a 26-year-old actor, waiter, who returns to his hometown in New Jersey uh, to attend his mother's funeral. And while there, he re reconnects with old friends. And the reason why I thought this film... Actually, I would put this one as the number one representation of New Jersey um, because I think it does an, a decent job of accurately portraying what life is like in New Jersey suburbs, which I've never seen a film ever do. I've actually never seen yeah. a film accurately describe what suburban life is like in general. <laughs> uh, most films either take it the kind of like 1950 style like perfect american dream like what's, what's that guy's name yeah. that, that, that paint i'm blanking on it norman something whatever the guy the the norman the weird, bates the kind of like all the happy like 50s looking paintings for everyone yeah uh, those like suburban life like a lot of films just like rockwell take that. Rock, yes rockwell <laughs> rockwell yeah take like that as like the reality of suburban life which i think like i don't know if that ever existed but it definitely doesn't exist since uh, my entire no. life so I really do like this film for that because it kind of shows the the boredom of living in the suburbs. Yeah. Uh, the kind of like casual drug use and like the mischief that like comes from just uh, there's like not, there's on there's nothing to do here. Uh, in, yeah, we've in talked suburb. about it before. We have talked about, about how you you don't have any shop like you're just it's just housing. It's just strictly residential area. Yes. And, you know, you can't drive anywhere if you don't have a car. Like, you're very limited about what you can do for entertainment unless you drive very far away. Yes. Yes. I, I thought the film did a good job of uh, of just, like, portraying that while yeah. not, like, somehow making it boring. It just, like, I, I watched this, and to me, Garden State is, like, a good representation of New Jersey. New Jersey suburbs. It's just yeah. exactly what it's like to live here. <laughs> it's like... Uh, uh, <laughs> The, the kind of different characters in the film are all relatable to people I know. Um, yeah. Obviously, stereotypes of, of of things like, you know, like that one person you know who's like never left their hometown, blah, blah, blah. But like, <laughs> like everyone knows people like that. Uh, yeah. Not, like, not like casting judgment on them, but I thought it just did a good job of representing these people. So I think if you want to wa uh, watch something that's uh, set in New Jersey and does like a decent job of portraying new jersey in various ways i would say these five films are worth watching if you just want to watch like like gangsters and stuff uh then yeah watch like <laughs> the sopranos and things like that but if you want to see if you're asked uh if you want to see new jersey represented in in decent ways or at least like 
yeah, I would say these these films do a decent job. Um, yeah, way to go. Yeah, I have to revisit Clerks, and I haven't seen Being John Malkovich yet, so that was always on my list. So I'll have to check it out. I don't that know. That was so weird. To... The first first time I watched Being John Malkovich, I hated it, <laughs> and then I like really tried to understand what I watched, and then I like watched it again. I was like, this is a good film. This is super weird. Oh man, I'll have to on to you posted. So are you ready, Mike, to play a game? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so this is for you and also anyone who's listening, obviously. I was trying to figure out what to do this week for my segment, and I do enjoy making up these, like, trivias. So I thought, you know what? Do trivia, do quotes, do current events, but make a jersey. So (laughs) this is a trivia called Who Said It? Either former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie... President Donald Trump or former vice president, current presidential candidate Joe Biden have said these 12 quotes. So great. (laughs) Number one, quote, you know, something may go down tonight, but it ain't going to be jobs, sweetheart. Chris Christie. That's true. That's correct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, what's the context, you know? It was on January 8th, 2012, after he was interrupted by protesters saying, or chanting Christy kills jobs. So <laughs> I just the sweetheart is what gave it away. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard uh either the actually you know, maybe Trump did say sweetheart once. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed like something I Christy th- would say. Yeah. It was definitely um one of those things where I thought it was also like sexually inappropriate kind of. Like well, something, it's all three of them. You know, so I'm like, ooh, okay. So that's why I picked this quote. Um, oh, and also, just to dial it back, I got these quotes from uh, Politico Story, AllThingsInteresting.com, a Business Insider article, and Brainy Quote, and AllGreatQuotes.com. Okay, nice. just so things are sourced. And this is the next one, number two. Quote, I have a great relationship with the Blacks. <laughs> That's Trump. That's got to be right that is that's correct that's trump <laughs> i thought i could be biden because he's he said some things along no, he those says, lines he says stuff like if you don't vote for me you ain't black jack exactly like <laughs> <laughs> okay so next one up number three if i had intended to cheat would i have been so stupid dot 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 i value my word above all else oh this is a hard one can you repeat it again if I if I had intended to cheat, would I have been so stupid? Dot dot dot. I value my word above all else. Trump. Incorrect. It's Joe Biden. So, oh, I should know. <laughs> I didn't know this quote. So, in a letter to Syracuse University College of Law, pleading not to be dismissed, this was after he quote used five pages from a published law review article without quotation or attribution, according to a faculty report. So. Oh, yeah, I forgot. He plagiarized. He plagiarized a lot. Did you know he plagiarized his speech when he ran for president the first time in, like, the 80s? Oh, boy. No, yeah, I didn't know that, but... <laughs> he stole it from, like, a English politician, which is just wow. strange. Yeah. He thought no one would look, Google it. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. It's so weird. Okay, next up, number four. Quote, Russia will, Russia will have much greater respect for our country when I am leading it rather than when other people have led it. Trump. Correct. It was much greater, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that tipped you off. <laughs> it, it, it was. It was. Uh, okay, number five. Quote, 
I mean, you got the first mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. I, I mean, that's a storybook, man. That, that, that's Biden. That is Biden. Yeah, yeah, I remember him saying that. Uh, otherwise, so, I would honestly, otherwise, I would have thought it was Trump. But. Yeah, this is obviously about U.S. presidential candidate Barack Obama from January 2007. So Biden would later apologize for these remarks, saying, quote, I deeply regret any offense my remark in the New York Observer might have caused anyone. That was not my intent, my, not my intent, and I expressed that to Senator Obama. Oh, so, my God. What a, what a non-apology. Uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's what the apology yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was him. Uh, next up, number six. Quote, <laughs> You have numb nuts like Reed Kirkosa or who put out a statement comparing me to George Wallace and Lester Meadox uh, or Lester Meadow. Is that what it is? Um, now, come on, guys. At some point, you've got to be able to call BS on the, those kind of press releases. Uh, I feel like it name drops too many people for Trump. So it yeah. can't be that. Um, Christy? Correct. Ah, that so, was just a guess. I honestly, I thought it was, you were going to tell me it was Biden. So this was on January 30th, 2012. And it was later, it was, I guess, about a pro-gay marriage state assemblyman. Um, and Christy later apologized for his comments. But, you know, what can you do? Yeah, he, na- he like, the thing about Christy is he's an asshole. But he's smart. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh it's just I mean, really important he was you know? a, he, he was a lawyer right and like a prosecutor yeah. Yeah. yeah so you can't he can't be like completely dumb yeah exactly um so number seven quote i cannot believe that a french man visiting kiev went back home and told his colleagues he discovered something and didn't say he discovered the most beautiful women in the world that's my <laughs> observation oh my god Oh my God! It's either it's either Biden or uh, Trump. I, I don't know who. <laughs> um, Biden. It's Biden. Well, yeah. I honestly, guys, I honestly I thought it was Trump, and I just was like, maybe it's not <laughs> Trump. I honestly I thought mean, it was Trump. Trump would have been. I mean, not that this is articulate, but Trump's way of speaking about like women would be less, less, less articulate. Wow, that's super funny. Um, and he, Biden was overheard saying this to Ukrainian President Viktor Yokushenko um, in 2009. Yuk- Sorry, Viktor. Yokushenko or something like that? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forget how to yeah. pronounce it. Okay, so number eight, quote, first off, it's none of your business. I don't ask you where you send your kids to school. Don't bother me about where I send mine. Oh. <laughs> uh, Christy? Correct. So this pure was... guess. Pure guess. <laughs> this was in 2011 on not wanting to discuss where he sends his kids to school. Um, this one's a really tricky one. Number nine. Quote: I have tremendous respect for women. Oh my god! It could be any of them. <laughs> um. Well, Biden sniffs women's hair, so I feel like he would be the one who would say that. I feel like he got, but then again, Trump says some pretty awful stuff that I probably can't say on our podcast. Uh, I'm going to go with Biden. Um, you're incorrect. It's Donald Trump. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Was this after the Access Hollywood 
I possibly. Okay, um, grab him by the not gonna say it. But who knows? Who yeah. knows? It could have been like any of the number of instances. He could have said a number of that could have been one of his talking points. Uh, it could have been a, a number of it could have been like, hey, what are you gonna do about the coronavirus? I have tremendous respect for women. They're like, why what? Yeah. Why did you say that? They're probably like, you need to fix what you said. Just the talking point is I have I respect women, so say it with different adjectives, say it like long and short, just keep reiterating your respect for women and then we'll move on from this and you'll do something else and people will talk about that next. But yeah, so that could have been any of them really. Uh, so, cause you know, uh, so number 10, <laughs> quote, why don't you say something nice instead of being a smart ass all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's Biden or Christie. I don't think Trump would say smartass. Um, Biden. Correct. Whoa, oh my God, I'm getting so yeah, lucky. And pure luck. What gets what Biden sets him apart about when he gets aggressive? It's always towards random people. So this was apparently to the manager of a frozen custard shop in Milwaukee <laughs> in 2010 um, when he offered him a dessert for free if the, if Joe Biden would cut taxes. So again, like he gets, when he gets confronted about any little thing when he's not prepared for it, he instantly goes for the, the aggression. So it's very, I don't, that's telling to me when you're not we prepared saw, and you're- We saw that a lot uh, during this uh, campaign. He insulted a bunch of yeah. people. Super funny. <laughs> Okay, so number 11, this is probably going to be an easy one, but we'll see. So, quote, great personality and very smart. Good combination. I learned he's a very talented man. I also learned he loves his country very much. That's got to be Trump. Correct. It was, he was the grammar about, gave it away. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was surprised you could say combination. Uh, so this was him speaking about Kim Jong-un after their Singapore meeting. So oh, that's awesome. Good combination. So this awesome. is he calls him Rocket Man now, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, fat, fat Kim or something like that. Well, whenever he's angry at him, he calls him fat and calls him Rocket Man. But then when you know, when he because international affairs is actually literally just like middle school playground. Yeah. Just what are you calling him? <laughs> okay, this is the last one. So number twelve. Quote. Is there any wonder why we are in such big trouble? Any question why the people don't trust their government anymore and demand a change? Uh, wow. It's so empty. It could be any of them. Um, <laughs> uh, Trump? Incorrect. It was Christie. Oh, my friend knew... Biden. I wasn't going to get it anyway. I knew big trouble would tip off the Trump. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to highlight because Christie did run for office. Uh, I mean, run for the presidential office. And now we have Trump and Joe just apparently they are the only ones that are going to duke it out if Kanye has any say in it. And I, I think I heard Paris Hilton is now running also. But I wanted Why? to <laughs> I wanted to highlight that Simply because you become a politician does not mean you deserve the office that you hold and that, you know, it's, what is the saying? You put lipstick on the pig, it's still a pig. 
And uh, these are all bunch of pigs, in my opinion. But at least, at least Christy was probably, I could say he's the most intelligent of the three. Um, I think so, too. Yeah. Joe Biden, even in his younger years, has always been something of like a blowhard. He's never been like an exceptionally good politician. In his own words, he's always been someone who just likes to whore himself out for money. Uh, he, there's, yeah. a, there's a video of him literally saying that uh, he wanted to uh, prostitute himself to the like corporations. I think he uses that exact phrase. But they, he wow. was too young at the time and not inexperienced. They told him to come back later when he's older. And uh, he just like brags about that kind of stuff back in his younger days. Now he pretends he's like super progressive. Trump's well, always question. been an idiot. Um, question for you. Yeah. Before we like close up the show. Who would you rather, this is the age-old question in American politics, who would you rather have a beer with? Christy, Trump, or Biden? Oh, this is a good one, man. So, <laughs> if you have, well, well, Trump doesn't drink, right? That's what he says. He doesn't drink alcohol. So, it'd be weird because it'd just be me drinking alone with Trump while presumably he, like, sniffs, like, Adderall or something. Or like and, it's uh, hookers to pee on a bed. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is that he likes. And <laughs> with Biden, you'll have the beer. You'll watch a pee tape together. Yeah, Biden <laughs> would be funny because I wouldn't know what the hell Biden's saying ever. Uh, yeah, Christie's the kind of guy I feel like who would just be like the asshole drunk, where like he he's just like a dick. It's just like insulting you, but like you're like yeah. talking shit with each other back and forth. So Christy would probably be the most fun to actually drink with. Yeah. Uh, whereas Biden would be the funniest to like drink and make fun of. Yeah. He'd be, cause he sundowns at like 4 PM, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's like a day drink with, uh, you, it's, you could you start out the day day drinking with, with Biden. And then when, you know, his handlers take him away, you end it with uh, Christy. Yeah. Or what you could do is start the day off with like a brunch with Trump because you know he's going to have an excellent spread. Yeah. And then, yeah. then you start like an afternoon day drink with Biden and close it out with uh, Christy. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. good. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Jersey Matters. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. And also follow us on all of our social media. So that's like our Twitter account, Jersey underscore matters, um, our Instagram, Jersey matters podcast, and our website, Jersey matters podcast.com. Um, be sure to send us all your comments. And if you have like a particular thing you want us to cover, uh, feel free to we'll share that it. with us. Yeah, <laughs> we'll cover it. Uh, we're always looking for stuff to do. And uh, so, yeah, thank you for listening. Have a good week. Yeah. Signing off. This is Casey. This is Mike. Goodbye.